Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hey, friend. Today, we are going to talk about the power of dyads and what you don't hear. But, But before we dive in, I just want to say this because I, I know I think it's in my outro, uh, but I would understand if people tune out for that. Um, so I decided I'd say it here. And it is me pleading and asking you. if you I, I, I see that there's a bunch of downloads that happen with this podcast. So if you've been enjoying this podcast, if you like what, what, uh, what I'm doing here, if you want me to keep doing it, Please, please, please leave a review wherever wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, preferably iTunes in this case, because unfortunately iTunes is still king when it comes to podcasts, it seems. But please, please, please leave a review if you've gotten some some benefit from this. So if this is your first podcast listening, you know, obviously don't don't just go leave a review when you don't know. Um, but for those of you who have been here for a while or just binged all the way to episode 23, which is what I think this one is, um, if you've been enjoying it enough or, or benefiting from it enough to, uh, be here and to have gotten through those episodes or to have picked through multiple episodes, um, please just take that little bit of time to leave a review. It would mean the world to me. It will help it so that you know, I know, I know that you're out there a little bit more than just some of the stats I see of like, Oh, you had this many downloads today, which is nice. Um, but sometimes it feels like, well, are they real people though? <laughs> like I know they are at least most of them, I think, but, uh, reviews would really help me to like, know it's that, that this is real and there are people listening and there are people benefiting from from what I'm doing and that what I'm doing is, is worth doing because, because somebody out there, um, is benefiting from it. And if right now I'm just talking to, you know, no one or or virtually no one, or I'm, you know, not helping anybody out there, then I, I, I either need to pivot or do something different. Like for example, maybe I'll just convert to YouTube stuff if say a podcast isn't a great medium for what we're trying to do, um, I, I do think YouTube will probably be the best long term, and I do, I do plan to do YouTube at some point. But I wanted to add it as well as the blog and the podcast, um, and not and I'm not looking to replace the podcast. But um, if if it's being ineffective, then you know I then I will change to YouTube. Um, so I guess I'm just asking, please. Leave a review if this if this has helped you. Um, I want to know that you're out there. I want to see what you have to say. And I give my, um, you know, I, I talk about the free guide at the end, in which case you would get my email. But um, you also can shoot me an email. It's joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H, normal spelling of joseph, at songwritertheory.com. Also, you can shoot me an email, especially if you have negative things or, or negative feedback to give, 
I would greatly appreciate it if you gave it there. That way I can be better and that way I can teach you better. Um, cause, cause I'm, I'm, I'm here for you guys and, um, you know, I'm happy to do this. I really enjoy it. Um, but I, I do want to learn how to better serve you and how to, you know, the subjects that you want, you want me to talk about and, you know, things I may do that may not be helpful and are helpful. Um, and for the negative stuff, I would appreciate it if you would give that to me privately via email and hopefully not put that on a review. But if for, for all the good stuff you have, a review would be greatly appreciated. It will help other people discover the podcast and other people maybe will give a listen if they see that there's some reviews that say, hey, yeah, this is really helpful. Whereas now, you know, with no reviews on it or whatever, I think it has none on iTunes right now. You know, people may may just go by and just assume that it's it's not good or is not going to be good just because there aren't any reviews. And uh, you know, without an audience, there's there's not too much point in in me doing this long term. So I gotta know people are out there. So this is me pleading. Please go leave a review. I appreciate it so much, so much. I can't even tell you. Um, I will, if there's any way to comment on a review or reach out to that person, believe me, I will do that for the, for anyone who leaves a review. Cause I, I will appreciate it so much. Um, all right. So now into the content, which is what you came here for. We're talking about dyads today and it's pretty common to always assume that a chord is a triad. We've even talked about triads before. I believe there was a whole podcast and blog about triads because triads are really at the core of what chords are. You know, when somebody, when somebody says a C chord, that usually means a C major chord. Um, it could mean minor because they were vague about what it is, but usually they mean a C major chord. And we know that that is a C, an E, and a G. Three notes. Mo most of chords that we talk about are built around the concept of three notes. Now we have things like, you know, uh, a four add, or maybe an easier way to understand it, of a, a C add four chord, right? Where like, well, we, we take a C chord, C, E, and G, and then we add the four, which the four of C is C1, D2, E3, and F4. So we'd be adding an F to it. So sometimes we even have four notes and sometimes we even have more than that or we have like a seventh chord where we have you know a, a c seventh c major seventh chord in which case we have not only the c e and g but then we also have the seventh which is which is then the b um and so so often we're building up from the implied starting place which is the set of three notes the triad which is known as the chord uh usually when we say chord we mean triad and there's something that we're missing, though, when we just cut to the, the three-note triad. And that is the beauty and power that there is in a dyad, which, if it's not obvious by the name, since triad has three notes, a dyad is two notes. Um, so, depending on your perspective, one could consider a dyad a chord, 
or you could consider it an implication of a chord because technically by definition a chord is two or more notes um, that are are together to make to uh, to, to sort of make a new sound um, but but also often we call triads common chords and that's sort of what we're we're building off of and because of that um, you could say that a dyad is so vague with its two notes that we don't really know what chord it is so it's almost an implication of a chord as well now we could go down the rabbit hole of is a dyad a true chord or not but that's not really the point here so and that would take a long time so we're not going to do that at least for this podcast uh if you if you want us to do that feel free to let me know and 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 maybe we'll 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 do that but um for this i just want to talk about especially in the context of songwriting the power there is in just using the the two notes of a, of a chord or a dyad um and some of the amazing things that you can do with that. And the first thing is basically going to be two major things that we're going to talk about. And the first one is that there is beauty and power and what is implied. So I, th- I think my favorite part about that mini discussion that we just talked about, which is you could argue it is a chord because by definition it is, or you could argue it's an implication of a chord. I love that word implication or imply because it leaves it vague. And when something is left vague, that leaves room for interpretation. That leaves room for more notes. It leaves, it, 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 it can even be utilized to make something sound a little more uh, eerie, for example. It doesn't necessarily sound eerie. It depends on other arrangement choices and stuff like that. But, but there's so much power in what is implied. And I don't want you as a songwriter to miss out on that, right? Not everything needs to be explicit and in your face and obvious what's going on. Sometimes a little mystery is good, or sometimes a little vagueness is good. So a great example of this is a lot of thriller or horror movies, especially if, if, you, if you take the, the greats. Now, I'm, I'm not a horror guy. I, I, I like some thriller movies, but um, the, the, the horror is just not my thing. But two horror movies that I do really like both follow this rule of of the terror there is or the power there is in implication. So one great example is Jaws, right? We don't see the shark until pretty late in the movie, I'm pretty sure. We might see the fin of the shark and we see the girl just sort of be tugged underwater and we hear her scream or, you know, you know different things happen. We hear the the quintessential uh, minor second um, melody, if you will, or the this, right? And right away we think shark is coming, 
And, and, and that's terrifying, right? That like just that implication that the shark may be around is enough to terrify us. If anything, the scariest parts of the movie are, are not when we see the shark, it's when we know he's coming or, or when it's just a little too quiet and we're, we're, we're waiting. We're just waiting for that. We're just waiting for that to be like, oh no. And, and honestly, especially nowadays, once we see the shark, it's kind of like, oh wow, that's, that's an animatronic. That's, that's actually pretty good for the seventies. Good going Spielberg, right? Like, like as soon as we see it, especially now, you know, it's, it's like, oh, well, okay. But the implication to this day is, is still, is still fear striking. And another example, um, is, um, The Quiet Place or A Quiet Place. I don't, I don't remember if it's an A uh, or the, but, um, good old Jim from The Office, John Krasinski's movie. Um, you know, the whole time at the beginning when, you know, there, there's no noise at all. They utilize utter silence to the point that most of the sounds you hear in the movie weren't recorded and aren't from, so like when they're walking on sand, that, that's, that's, the sound you hear is actually a guy in a sound room making that. Because if they recorded it in that forest, there'd be too many birds singing or too much, there would be too much noise and it needed to be dead silent, just eerily silent. So that even the feet on sand almost felt and sounded loud in comparison to how quiet the rest of everything was. And also, similarly, it took a while until we saw the monster. And honestly, for me, I thought, you know, it was terrifying, the, the just silence, just waiting for something to happen was terrifying. And once we finally saw the monster, it started to lose a little bit of, 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 of the terror. And it was still scary, just, just not quite as much. And, and, and all those times where we thought, is the monster going to come? And the eerie, just utter silence throughout is what keeps you on your toes. And I understand that those are both sort of scary examples, but the power of, of, of what's implied is not, it's not just for eerie or creepy or scary things. Just in general, it, it leaves more room for other things. So... For a little bit more real of an example, I'm going to play something. And first, I'm going to just do a little improv stuff over a first and a fifth. So, uh, to make it easy and something that, that you can also try at home, uh, even if you're really not a pianist, um, we're going to choose C. So... I'm going to play a C and a G only in the bass, which is the first and the fifth of a C major chord. Or maybe a C minor chord. Or maybe a G add four chord. Um, right? So, so it, right there, like when I, when, I, when I play this, you don't know what that is. Is that major? Is that minor? It's probably a C chord, right? Like... The probability that that is, that that is, um, that that's a, a G add four is, is probably not very high. Um, but 
we have no idea whether it's major or minor. Now, now when it comes to melody and other parts, that may inform us as to whether it's major or minor. But this in and, in and of itself is very vague. Like, I don't know what that is. Is that this? Or is it this? Could be either one, because it's the third that's changing. That first and fifth are the same. And right there is just a little bit of, of that power of, of, you don't know what this is. Is this about to be a minor sad song or a minor angry song or a minor song that's minor because it doesn't have to be sad or angry to be a minor song? Or is it a major song? Is it going to turn really bright? Is it, is it going to stay dark? Like, like a, what is it? And beyond that, what, what, what I'm about to show is if we do that versus all three notes, how much will sound good improv over this? Or in a more real-world scenario, with your melody, your vocal melody, over this piece, over, over this, this part. Or even with the rest of your arrangement, you know, the things you can do with the lead guitar just becomes so much more open and there's so many more options because of the implied chord that it maybe could be versus what we know it is. And another way to look at this, right, is if you think about it, right, usually when we're messing with chords and, and just with notes in general at the same time, like when there's a bunch of notes at the same time, take, take like, you know, a song in a hymnal, for example. It's almost always four notes, right? And usually, at least two of those notes are actually the same in octaves. So you might have, like, a C, a G, and then a C and an E. But two of those are Cs. And then sometimes, yeah, there's going to be four different notes. Or, you know, common chords are, uh, you know, a, a C or a G at add four chord, right? So that's that's four notes. Or... Or, you know, a D7 chord, which adds the seventh. And that's pretty common. And, and sometimes you can even fit in five notes at the same time. But if you think about it, once you have a full triad, you're already taking up three of the notes of, out of maybe five that you can use at once from, from, your, from your scale, from your key. But if you're only using two, that's leaving so many more options for your melody, which is so important, which we're going to get a little bit more into that next. Um, but for now, I'm going to, I'm going to show you a little bit of what I'm talking about. So first we're going to do, um, just, just the fifth and also of note, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a fifth. So this is a fifth, right? But a dyad doesn't have to be a fifth. It could be a fourth. So what is this? If we have if we have a a C and an F, what what is that? Right? That I mean that that could be an F chord, right? Because F has F, A, and C, so an F major chord. Or or alternatively, it could be a C add four chord. Or it 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 could be even something else, right? Like. There's so many different things that could, and chords that could fit into that. So it's vague. We don't know what it is. And sixths are also a ton of fun to play with. I love, I love sixths. Um, 
There's just a lot to do with them. And so, so I'm going to show you a little bit um, of, of the power of dyads with this. So that all sounded pretty pleasant, right? Like, you know, at no point during that did you think, ooh, that, that was jarring and seemed off, probably. I mean, you might have, you know, a little rhythmic things because I was just improvising and it's not like I uh, warmed up or anything, so I'm not, I was just doing whatever. But so, overall, I would assume that to you, that sounded like pretty good. Like, at no point did you think, oh, that's weird. I used every single note in the key of C. And even, even, even if we boil it down just and, and separate it all out, I'll go all the way from C to the next C with the dyad of the C and the G. Like, none of, none of those sound wrong. They might sound more or less exotic, but none of those sound wrong. None of those sound odd. So at any point, a vocalist really could just sit on any note in the key of C while that chord is being played. And, and it wouldn't necessarily sound wrong. Now, if we take a full C major chord, now let's see what happens. doesn't sound terrible but it, it sounds just a little more like shouldn't have been shouldn't the chord have changed shouldn't just feels a little off and then if we break it up the way we did before see that one that that definitely sounds just like mm, that's off shouldn't it have be a different chord Now it sounds right, right? So I, I did an actual F chord. That was the note F was what was in the top. So F chord, now, now it sounds right. Whereas with that, that third taken out with a dyad, it, it doesn't sound as off. It's, it sounds more exotic. It sounds more interesting, um, but it doesn't sound wrong. That A, that A is another one that's just, ugh, does just, you know, it doesn't sound terrible. It, it, it could work, 
Um, but it doesn't, it, it just doesn't seem natural. You wouldn't want your vocalist sitting on that note probably with that full C major triad. So just there you can sort of see how leaving it more vague just leaves so many more opportunities. And, you know, I, I, I built a whole song around sixths, honestly. Like with that right there, I like so many, if, I, I've never actually counted, but like that, that, I might've just hit all of the notes in the key of C with these dyads and all over a, a single C note playing over and over again. So C combined with a dyad and it, it's, it sounds fine as part of the power of sixths, which we'll probably talk about dyads, specifically sixths at some point, but just dyads give you so many options that sort of had that like empty, lonely sound. And, 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 and that's what the, that sixth or that dyad, uh, specifically the sixth dyad, uh, gives you. All right. So the second thing, which I sort of talked about before, was that you get more melodic and arrangement options, which is sort of what I just showed, right? Like w with, with the dyad, it, it's incredible. Like the vocalist could just sit on any note in that key, and it honestly would sound pretty good. It would sound fine. But once you make it a full triad, it certain notes will sound more or less off. It will, fe it will feel like, ah, this, this really should be this other chord. You know, when the vocalist is singing that F and belting an F for a long time, and you're playing a full C triad underneath, it's just going to sound off. Whereas it's, which, you know, done intentionally can be great. Right. Like there's there's always, you know, purposeful dissonance and stuff. There's there's a great world for all of that. But as far as wanting something to sound consonant, wanting it to sound pleasant, that's that's not going to work very well. Usually, again, there's always usually a way to do it. But for the most part, it's, it's going to be like, uh, this should be a different chord. It should either be a D minor chord because we're in the key of of C and a D minor chord has an F in the key of C, or it should be an F major chord, which is probably what it's really going to seem like it should because uh, minor twos are not used super often. I do like minor twos, um, but minor twos and minor three chords are not used too often, which is tragic for the minor three. I love minor threes so much that I'll probably have a whole podcast just on them. I love minor threes. Um, but anyway, so you just have so, so many more options because if you think about it, right, with with the rule we I, I kind of talked about before of like really five notes, it's already starting to sound pretty muddy with five different notes in the same key at the same time. Four is usually your max. Five can sometimes be pulled off and six and seven, good luck. Um, but when you have a dyad instead of a triad, that lets all your other instruments, all your other parts, sort of be able to fill in more and have more options instead of being like, well, we have a C, an E, and a G. So a lot of these instruments better be playing those notes. At, you know, and even if they go to an A for a little bit, it's going to come back down to a, one of those three notes. Um, but, but there's really not too much extra you, you can do. You know, maybe you could you could have a, a B in there because now it becomes a C add seven, C major add seven. Um, 
And there's certainly always some things you can do, but if you have just a dyad, you have so many more options, just so many more options because you've only used two of your notes up. So you can maybe have three other totally different notes that other instruments and the melody and everything else can do. And of course, there's more to this. And, you know, you can't just have any four notes or any five notes within a key. That's not how it works. Um, and if that confuses you, go back and listen to some of the other podcasts. Those, those will help and future ones will as well. Um, so that's, that's not what I'm saying. But it just leaves your options more open. So something to take from this, I think, is that don't just always gravitate to the triad. And we're going to certainly talk in future podcasts about other options as well. Because, you know, th there's, there's other options in, 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 in both directions. You know, now we're talking about dyads and, and w having fewer notes. But also being able to jazz up a chord with adding a four or with a suspended, with a suspended note. Or by making it a seventh chord. There's so many other things to do to jazz up your stuff to make it not... Because it can get really boring really fast if you're just working with triads all the time. But I wanted to cover the power of actually reducing the notes as well. Because I think that's overlooked and it's very important. And there's some really awesome stuff you can do with dyads as we've, as we've talked about. Um... So thank you for listening, and I hope that you take this and you go utilize it and you go write something. And again, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, especially if this is the first one you've heard, please go leave a review. I would appreciate it so much. It will help me to know that I'm, I'm doing something right and that I should stay on, the, on this right track and that I should keep making podcasts and keep striving to get better because somebody out there is benefiting from this and somebody out there hungers to learn more and wants to know more. Um, so please, if you enjoyed this, leave a review. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. If you want to jumpstart your songwriting, be sure to download my free guide on 10 proven ways to start writing a song at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Whether you're brand new to songwriting or a seasoned vet, this guide will help you to avoid staring at a blank page wondering where to start. Even if you just want to figure out some different ways to start writing a song, this free guide is for you.